Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying, trying, told, trying, told him I'm a beast, bud. What's up, gang? Welcome gang? to the grindcast. Simon Arias here. Get ready. It's a new day. What's up? We have another episode of the grindcast, and we got my man. Welcome back. The ghost. Kelly Pavlik. Hey, thanks for having me thanks back, for, man. Thanks for coming All, back, always brother. Always a pleasure. Appreciate you. And uh, so let's 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 get started. The uh, first thing I wanted to dig into is what advice would you have for a kid out there that's listening? You know, maybe just getting started in boxing and and uh, you know wants to be a world champ like you became. And, you know, I know you mentioned your son is 10 years old and, yeah. and starting to mess around with the jujitsu and boxing a, li a little bit. So let's say you're talking to a, you know, a 10 year old or a teenager and, you know, they're asking you, man, Kelly, what, what do I got to do to be a world champ? W what would you tell them? Man, there's a whole bunch. I'd actually sit them down for, for a little while and talk to them. Um, you know, the biggest thing is work. Uh, I think we mentioned this before, but you could be the best athlete in the world and you could have all the talent and skills out there. But if you don't have the work ethic that goes behind that and train, um, it don't get you nowhere and only get you so far. And, of course, you may start off and, and climb the ladder quick, but eventually it will catch up to you. That person out there that's working hard. So, first of all, they need that. Um, second of all, even at a young age, you have to teach them the importance of keeping the right people behind you, you know, and, and having them back you. But I, I think those are the two biggest things, like, you know, follow what you want. Be a respectable person. Be an honorable person. And go out there and, and put the work in and, and enjoy what you do. What do you think when, when you say have the right people behind you? you know, what, what do you mean by that? At every cost. Um, we all know that you could get the people there behind you that could sway you off the path. You know what I mean? Um, you, and you get people out there, especially as they get older. Uh, I, I guess it's more so having somebody consult them as they're going up the ranks or if they're you know talented. But you could take that also. What you teach somebody in combat uh, sports or any sport is you can teach them life lessons through that too no doubt. you know what i mean no that, that's one of the biggest things that we try to preach to people as you know i'm in the, in the field now of being a coach myself and uh that's why i want to teach the, to the guys that i'm training you know how to be respectable out outside the ring and um you know so all those qualities but when a fighter comes up i mean we know when they have talent and people know they have talent you see the and i don't want to offend anybody but you see the leeches you know, right off the rip, they make it obvious. They don't care. They have no shame. Yeah. Um, but to these kids, they don't know that. You know, usually it's somebody that's a good amount older than them that approaches them and talks to them and tells them the world, and they, they agree with it, and, and that's what happens. So, Yeah, I agree. What, what, what do you think a training regiment would look like, you know, for somebody that is – not casually approaching it, but they're approaching it to be to be a champ, you know, and, and just talks boxing specifically. What would that work schedule look like for a week? Well, you know, it depends if they're amateur or if they're pro. No matter if you're amateur or pro, you got to put the work in. I mean, especially when you get to the level in the amateurs, like to the nationals and, and stuff like that, or international competition, you got professional amateurs in there. I mean, you got guys that could rock. You got, got 100 guys, fights. Yeah, you got guys that could beat Mayweather in a three round fight. You know, that's the difference. Um, so you got to put the work in for that and, and, and treat your body right and, and uh, do all the extra steps. And for boxing, you know, when you get to the pros and you start getting into the 10, 12 rounds, you're a contender and fighting for championships. You know, my routine was seven hours a day, sometimes eight. You know, I would start off. It's what people miss. Exactly. what people don't get. Every day. You know, I hear guys, I'm not taking away construction workers. 
they worked their ass off and um you know i give them respect but we started three miles three mile run in the morning followed by maybe 15 40 yard sprints every jog was timed on a stopwatch too so it wasn't like hey you know it's tuesday um i had a rough sparring session yesterday i'm gonna just go tiptoe through this run uh-uh but, you know, i had to run it i had a person follow me in a car uh, you know, you get done with that, go home, rest a little bit. Oh, what, what what did that jog look like for three miles? I pace, I, pace. Used, I used to do it on flat on, over there in Boardman. I did it nineteen minutes. Okay, you know that's flying. And my right, five fast. mile was like, that's a, that's a six minute. Yeah, mile. Scoot. I always distance I could run. Now my forty time was a little different. So, but I wasn't playing football. You need a forty time. Yeah, but um, you know, so we would do that, and uh, yeah, I had long legs. I had to stride. But like I said, I had to run that, and and if I didn't run it as fast, you know, you get hollered at. You have a guy behind you beeping the horn. We get done, take a little break. I would either go to Rocky's um, Fitness Center and lift weights, or go down to the Ironman Warehouse and do a, you know, strength training. I got done with that. You go back home, have a little bit more to eat because you're still watching your weight at that point. Go to the boxing gym for two hours, two and a half hours, and then sometimes we cap the night off with either going down to the YMCA. Or you know, playing a pickup game of basketball, or doing some type of uh, cardio workout to maintain the weight and make sure it's down. So you know, if you add that all up throughout the day, seven sometimes eight hours, no doubt, full full tilt. And then how many days? How many days a week were you doing that? Monday through Saturday was pretty six much six days a yeah. week. Thursday was a little easier because we didn't run. That was just a day to give the legs a, a little bit of a break, but we still had strength training, boxing, everything else. And then Sundays was my day to you know reload, yeah, re yeah, recover, reload on food. We ate even if I was three weeks out from a fight. Um, we were pretty good on weight, so we we fed the body, carb up, yeah, carb up on Sundays yep. and, and stuff. You know, I think that's what that, that's the part that people miss. You know, when you're on the road to being a professional, yep. is that that nasty, gritty grind obsession. You know, when when you look at you know in in the matted room i have over here where i do the jujitsu and the boxing you know one of my favorite quotes of all time is on the wall it's by muhammad ali yeah. it says i hated every minute of training but i said don't quit yep suffer now and live the rest of your life like a champion sometimes wish you had a one you know there's a saying too that they, they call with boxing and I, I would use it for any combat sport um and it's so true it says the um has a picture of the ring i actually got the tattoo and it says the loneliest walk and what that means is that that's you walking in, in a combat sport and boxing. You're walking to that ring. You know you're going into that ring by yourself. I mean, you have a team. Don't get me wrong. And you have a trainer, and the trainer does his part, and every and the corner man does his part. But really, at the end of the day, it, it's you because those blows you're taking and the shots you're taking and then the, the period of time after a fight, the recovery, when you're all banged up, stitched up, Nobody else is going through that, though. Nobody starves themselves, goes into a fight drained, and, and goes through that. I mean, so you do have a team, all well and good, but I don't think, you know, people should say we in that fight, though, because nobody was doing that. And people have to understand that when you train for a fight, that's what you got to really put in your head. Like, you got to put in your head, hey, if I get hit and I, and I taste my spleen, you know, and I can't call timeout, I can't call in this other player to come, you know, substitute for me. I got to either show that I didn't get hurt and I got to fight through this. And if I get dropped and my brain's rattled two rounds later, I got to get back up and keep fighting. And nobody else is your trainer. You, you can't go tag your trainer's hand and say, Hey, go finish this fight for me. You know, it's um one of those things. And I think that some of these combat athletes have to, you know, install in their brain. Like 
you have to train. You don't want that doubt. When you're in that locker room or dressing room going out to that fight, the last thing in your mind is, am I ready for this? You know, you want to say, if I lose this fight, it's going to be by luck. This guy is going to beat me by luck. I'm ready. I'm prepared. And that helps. No doubt. You know, that's something that I think transfers over to business. You know, I tell people that, you know, I, uh, from a sports standpoint, I was small. You know, I played football small, you know, started at Ursland, went to college, played again small, four-year starter again, five foot seven. Those things helped me transition over into business, just just the amount of work that it took, the amount of, of, of drive and, and relentless discipline, you know, all those things that you're talking about transfer over into success in no matter what it is, you know, like you were talking about with those with the kids. Is there anything that stands out to you, you know, now that maybe, you know, in your 30s, you know, I think you're my, you know, somewhere around we're the same age. I'm 36. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you know, you rewind the tape and look at what do you, you know, is there anything that you're better at now, you know, that whether it's personal life or, you know, or whatever, anything you're better at now than you were 10 years ago that you could think of? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, too. Um, yeah, I think, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of things. You know, as you get older, you get smarter. Um, I, w- I would say one of the things that I noticed, like, when I was in my late 20s and early 30s, if I wanted to do so, I was impatient, you know, like, and, I, and, and the drive was good, and that's probably what got me a world title, but sometimes you have to learn how to kind of, like, step back and let something, let a play go by you. Um, I, you know, I would jump on first instinct. Uh, if I wanted this, that, make a decision that I thought was good. And maybe it's now I do it because I have my businesses, you know, I'm operating three right now and in negotiation with a handful of other things. And it's kind of like you got to step back and say, just hold on a minute, like relax. Uh, let's look into this. There's been things that 10 years ago I would have said, yeah, let me do it. And right now, I would have lost money on it if I would have done it. You know, and I step back and say, no, 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 no. I listen to my financial team on things. You know, that's why I, I pay them and, and, you know, I hire them because that's their job to steer me in the right direction also. So, yeah, I, I would say that's one of the big things. Um, Patience. Yeah, I just think the, the maturity, you know, you mature different from 20s. And then I'm sure when you're in your late 40s, you mature different from, from 30s, you know, and so on. So, it's one of those things that where I could say I, I think that I've matured mentally and, and on some of the things that I do, my, my patience have, have been pretty good. Love it. Yeah, same here. What um anything stand out to you about, you know, if you have a favorite, you know, I know in, in football I could think back to favorite games that I had or favorite plays. You know, is there anything in your career, you know, that you could think of as maybe something that sticks out in your mind as, you know, one of your favorite fights you know maybe you're fighting injured and you and you won and you're thinking man i that one i'm most proud of people don't know about because i knew going into that you know i was in i was in a jacked up situation or i had a lot of adversity going on nobody knew and i stepped in there is there any you know one or two fights that stand out to you as maybe favorite memorable moments well yeah you know of course the uh world champion because that's the world championship but I, i would say the reason and that's the biggest fight um obviously because i've won the world titles and and it was just the way that fight unfolded but the biggest one i would say was right before the the title fight when i fought edison miranda you know i I was going in fighting a kid at at the time he was the most feared guy in boxing um nobody wanted to fight edison miranda he was knocking everybody out uh where was he from uh columbia so he, he was the monster and and he was and 
we went into the fight and it was actually funny at the press conference you know he's talking about fighting jermaine jermaine's talking about fighting him and i actually at one point got up at the press conference to the podium and i said shit am i even fighting tomorrow night you know what i mean because everybody's talking jermaine versus miranda um nobody none of the, the people that got top guys in the sports and the writers and, and everybody else reporters nobody was giving me a chance in that fight granted i had a great record great knockout percentage but um you know to them i wasn't as tested and this is edison miranda and not only did i go in there and fight him and beat him out how a i said un, i was big underdog yeah i was walking and nobody in. even paying you no attention exactly and everybody was talking about his power and i kept saying in all the interviews like yeah but my power you know you guys got to know about my strength and power and uh, we went there and i said i was going to back him up and of course even larry merchant on hbo said Pavlik said he's going to back up miranda but nobody's ever done that and i did i went in there and i knocked him out in the seventh round um, beat him up for seven rounds so that one stands out because of how everything just went before the fight how i was the underdog and nobody was giving me a chance what was your self-talk you know in your mind you know you have these conversations you know when you're when you're doing things like that yeah. you know what what's the self-talk in your mind you know that quiet voice is you know anything that you can remember saying and playing to yourself just you know that self-conversation yeah you know we went into that one that's going back to the, the last um thing i was talking about we trained we trained like like animals for that fight or i trained like an animal for that last fight see i'm gonna have it uh, we i trained my ass off for that fight um i knew that edison miranda he that he lived up to it i mean you could just tell when you fight you know sometimes they say you got to wait till you get in there and get hit by him but I, I could tell that he had power but i knew our game plan was to go in there and take shots because you know we couldn't fight edison miranda he was more dangerous when you try to move on him from the angles that he threw his punches so in other words it was kind of like putting on your your uh bulletproof vest and saying you know what i'm taking we're shooting yeah we're, yeah we're going at it yeah. and you know that played in, in my head in the locker room too like you have to understand i mean i'm going in there fighting a guy that's at that time was compared to he was the middleweight version of mike tyson and here i am saying i'm going to take the fight to him so it was weird you know i, I just knew i had to believe in, in how i trained for that fight i talked myself into knowing how strong and how big i am and actually at the end of the time walking down to the ring i ran to the ring actually i mean i scooted and uh it kind of was like i can he take my punch that's the question you know i'm tired of everybody talking about his power and everything else this is my opportunity to show everybody can edison miranda take kelly pavlik's power and that was the big thing going into that fight that uh, i took out of it so yeah in a locker room i mean there's a lot of there's a bunch of things going on through your head you know of course you're playing the worst situation that could happen fighting a guy like that then you're playing the best thing that could happen so just you know you have to just kind of control that thought process yeah, you know slow it down a little bit you know you mentioned about the you know the title fight you know specifically you know jermaine taylor and you know i think that's probably the one that you know is in most people's minds you know they they remember the most you know i, re I could tell you you know certain things people you know they ask you know where were you at you know when this happened you know i, I could tell you where i was at you know when yeah. that happened you know what i mean I, I was in my house you know screaming you know in cleveland you know i know exactly where i was sitting you know where the tv was faced you know everything and uh you know what what from your perspective you know people getting an inside look at that you yeah. know when you got knocked down what you know if anything is the conversation in your in your head when you survive you know the round and you're in the corner you know what what's going through your mind yeah in these moments 
That's kind of you know like what the question Larry Merchant asked me. That everybody says was the greatest reply back on HBO when he goes, "What was going through your mind?" And I go, "Larry, you really want to know what was going through my mind? Oh shit, this is going to be a long night." Um, that's kind of what it was, you know, and, and that's true. That's what was going through my head. Uh, nothing about getting knocked out. You know, it's weird how that happens. You know, like I, I didn't go, man, I just got knocked out. I'm going to get knocked out. You know, what do I do? I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't go into panic mode. Um, I stayed focused. I got up. I smiled. Um, we made it through that. You know, my biggest thing was it was one of them shots equilibrium. So an equilibrium shot is it makes your legs go. It don't make you foggy. You know, mentally. So I was there. I could actually hear everything everybody was saying. And in that ten second count or that eight second count that he was giving me, I kept remembering what he was saying in a locker room that he will not stop a fight if you could show that you could hold on, grab. And of course, I didn't know how bad I was until I went back out there and I got hit with a little shot. You know, my legs went again and I, I caught my balance. Um, but at that point, you know, it was more of a confidence thing. Like, all right, I'm up. I survived that. And I, and I think the biggest one was that uh, mentally breaks another person too. Oh, absolutely. You know, when 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 they you know rock you a couple times and they yep. think you're out and they're like, damn, this dude's like Freddy Krueger. And I don't think that really. I don't think that played a role in that, that second round. I think Jermaine still had adrenaline running even to the last bell, to the final bell of that round. Um, I think the third round was the one that zapped his soul from Jermaine Taylor. When I came back out the very next round and threw 99 punches, 100 punches at him, and I just pinned him in the corner, I could actually I could feel the energy come out of him. Like, In other words, in his head, what do I do? I hit him with everything that I had. I'm tired. He's strong. He keeps coming forward. And I think that right there was kind of the end of the fight without it being the end of the fight. Yeah. So what, you know, what was the emotion like after, you know, afterwards? You know, what's the what's the moments after that? You know, what are you thinking? Man, like you a know, dream? yeah, it's, it, that's pretty much, I mean, everything's just going so fast. Um, just everybody coming. I mean, the atmosphere that's there. Of course, after a fight, you know, I'm, I'm back. I'm doing uh, doctor exams, physicals. Um, you're doing a drug test to make sure no steroids. So you're a good hour after the fight is over in the uh, locker room than after you got the post-fight conference. So I didn't get back to the room till about 3 o'clock in the morning. Didn't sink in. Yeah, and it still didn't. Like, you're you're happy. You're excited. Yeah. You have an idea what why. What point did it hit you? Man, it didn't like, hit holy me. holy shit, I'm a world champ. It didn't hit me at all. Look what I just did to get there and, and make it through, you know, from the fight prior. And that, yeah. you know, pretty much underdog the whole the whole situation the whole, the whole time what did what from a comeback to under you know underdog to a comeback and and when did it hit you it's a really good question i mean it, it really is actually to a point to a couple years later i mean each day each week you do that you were a champion but there'll be times like a, a month after the fight i walk past and, and my parents had my belts up on the shelves and i would just look at them and go damn you know those are mine but it still didn't sink in you know what i mean um it take it took time and now you know obviously it's totally sunken in but yeah it just because there's so much i mean that goes back into also maybe being somebody to talk to these kids once they won a, a title because you got every everything's changed people coming at you from this angle coming at you from that angle your focus still up here is okay i'll take care of this i'll take care of that but i got to train i got to fight you know i got to keep these belts um everybody likes the payday Paydays quit coming in when you stop when you're not winning no more. So now you got a target on your back. You got to train harder than you ever did. So there's just so much, and then you got interviews, charity events. Um, you got to go to Florida, to California, to this place. 
it really becomes demanding on that fighter. And if they don't really have an idea, and you could tell them because it happened to me, I've always been a, a person I took in. You know, I listen. People goes, hey, shit's going to change on you. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Of course you know, but you don't know till it happens. You know, it's just a, a whirlwind. And, um, you know, so that everything kind of was just crazy on it. And you didn't have time to really sit back and let it set in what you really just accomplished. Um, and that even goes to for a while there, for probably up till 2017, people would talk about the second round. And I would go, eh, you know what, like that ego thing. Eh, well, if that knockdown didn't happen, you know, it could have been this and that. And now I look back at it, and that's only a couple, two years later. If it wasn't for that knockdown, that fight wouldn't have been one of the greatest middleweight fights. You know, it was that that knockdown. Unfortunately, made the story. Made made it. Yes, that's exactly. life. That's it. You know that that mirrors life, man. You know, a lot of times people get knocked down in life, and that's what makes the whole story even better. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what, what makes that Rocky people. Rocky Six quote that's that Rocky people. had. You know that that makes that quote so big because it's true you just ain't got to use it for boxing you use it in, in life every aspect of life you know i think um you know that what you just said there could could really be a value to a listener you know no matter what they're doing whether it's business or boxing or you know whatever you know the you're gonna get knocked down you know and and, and that's adversity and it could be anything you know whatever that adversity is and it's about being able to rise and, and go above that. And when you rise and go above that, you can inspire a lot of people. You can motivate a lot of people. And it really becomes the background of what makes your story a story. And it makes it something that's even interesting to, you know, it makes it different. Exactly. Like and so say, a lot of you, times people you, avoid those things. And, and, and those are the things that actually make the life more interesting to people. Exactly. Like they say, you know, if you've never been knocked down or if you, if you haven't taken a loss or this, you never get experience. And it's true because, it's hard to go undefeated in, in certain things in, in sports and combat sports. I mean, some of it is very rare. Um, but life, hey, life will beat you one way or another. It'll give you a handful of losses. You can't, you can't losses. go. Yeah, you can't you go undefeated. Not go undefeated in life. Yeah. You know, and it's all about how you deal with that. And and it's true. I mean, you're going to get knocked down. And I always say, like, pull your head out of your butt. You know, so what? Get up, shake it off, because you got a lot more to go. You know. Yep. When when you. You know, I'll just give you an example. You know, I look at, you know, in college, you know, being a captain in college, you know, I started to rewind sometimes. I'd be sitting by myself thinking, man, like, damn, you shouldn't even be here. You know, I remember, you know, my house got shot up. I was locked up in juvenile. Uh, I, I walked off the practice field and was and was and quit one day, you know, and, and uh, came back the next day and the coach, you know, sat down and talked to me and, you know, I didn't quit, yeah. you know, and I'm looking at like all these moments. Uh, my grandfather forced me to play football. I didn't want to play, you know, football transitioning into high school. I was already hustling. I was living fast. So I was, you know, everything an adult would be doing in eighth grade, I'm doing it all. Every, yeah. Everything, you know, everything good, you can think of. Good, yeah. good, bad in between. And I'm like, I don't want to give up my summers. You know, I don't want to go do this. I'm, I'm over here, you know, making money. Mm -hmm. And I got forced, you know, literally forced to play. And I start rewinding things like, man, if that didn't happen, if this didn't happen, nobody saw this happen. Nobody saw this happen. And so now here we are. If it wasn't for these, you know, th this, uh, these moments that nobody saw, nobody yeah. even knows unless I tell them, you know, these mental battles, this, this story where I could have quit, this story where I would have gave up, this I even got introduced to doing it. I didn't want to play. You know, is there anything if you can rewind the tape in your mind 
you know, if there's like, you know, you watch a movie and they hit the, you know, all of a sudden a person goes from an adult to like whoop, he's yeah. 11. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, is there a couple moments that stand out, you know, to you that's like, man, holy shit. Yeah, there is, you know, and, and a lot of them were in the good times and a lot of them were in the bad times. No doubt. You know, it sometimes makes you wonder, like, I don't know how spiritual or, or religious anybody is and who's ever God or, or whatever it is, but I, I believe in, you know, there's things happen for a reason and um, it's weird. It, there's too many things happen for you not to think like that, you know, and, and there's been a lot in my life, um, moments that have changed and things that happen where I'm going, how, why did that happen? Why did that unfold just like that? Like, why did this play out this way? Um, it's too hard to get into like the exact ones, but you know, just the things leading up to boxing, you know, the things leading up to when I was playing other sports and how I got into boxing, my brothers, you know, um, my parents, everything else, you know, uh, some of the troubles I got in, like some of the things that I didn't get in trouble for, for that I did that was stupid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where I didn't get seriously permanently injured. Yeah. You know, you just always Give think me a about a couple examples. Well, <laughs> you're going out, you know, sometimes driving, playing on, on uh, certain uh, vehicles. I know, you know, I wish I had some like good stories, you know, but really I'd never really gotten that deep of stuff, um, you know, but you just the stupid things going out with your friends drinking and, and some of the things that you do doing that, you know, um, I could be dead honest. The, the last thing that I got in trouble for, which was again, it, it was it was bullshit. And um, but I think it still happened for a reason. You know, um, I was retired. I was out having too much fun, and, and I think that yeah, I didn't get in trouble, and it was hard to get me in trouble. But I think it was a, a break and a pause that I had for that year of my life. Okay, and I'm talking about three years, Recent. four yeah, three years ago, four three and a half years ago. That happened. Because I think that it was going to a point where I wasn't going to be able to grab that back. And it was going to hurt me good, probably permanently, or maybe even taking my life, and being honest. And now, you fast forward to four years, and I still have my fun, but I'm I'm over here, and I got businesses. I'm really like a grown-up again. Was I able to, over those years after I retired, to do what I did? Yeah, I was retired. I had the money. You know what I mean? I this, that still to this day you know can i do whatever i want to a certain point yeah but it's, it comes to a point where you got kids i got my kids so let me stay in the right headlines for them so they ain't got to endure all the shit um let me go out there let me keep i'm not done i'm not done give them back how um, many kids you got two you got 13 two. and 10 13 and 10 yeah boy and a girl girl and a boy yeah girl and a boy yeah my daughter's 13 my son's 10 and you know like i didn't what have I, you learned from fatherhood Oh, well you think you know love until until you you have the kids like that and then i've learned that you have a lot of heart attacks in that period of time too you know with kids you know it becomes consumed it's crazy like the worry you know not that the kids are doing anything i think back to your parents like oh my god <laughs> this is what they felt for me and this is what i did to them absolutely you know, i'm sorry you know what i mean my absolutely. bad and i know that they're still only 13 and 10 you know what i mean i know that my ass up into my Your early thirties. Yeah, it's coming. I know. Yeah. I've already started <laughs> to see. The, I'm already seeing the attitude change. But uh, yeah, I mean, but even since they were you know kids, you like no matter what it is. Okay, you get them at a stage, and I remember saying, "This is going to change." Um, so quit getting mad about like having to change a diaper and a crying, and you can't you can't figure out why they're crying because they can't talk. 
So then you get out of that stage and you miss it and you go into a new stage where you get all these new worries <laughs> and, and it just keeps happening like every year. And I know, like I said, in, into my 30s, how I was, um, I know it's going to probably be like that with them too. You know what I mean? Uh, it's life. But uh, yeah, so as I would have to say that, I mean, that, that's one of the things like about three, about three years ago when, when I had that little break in my life, like, okay, you know, because I got, I was on the border borderline of getting in trouble. And I had that period of time where I wasn't out drinking or hanging out with my friends. And I was kind of just like in that spot. And I really started thinking, you know, almost like a meditation. I would sit there and just go, I'd be pissed off. Don't get me wrong. But you start seeing everything clearly and you start realizing. And my big thing was I worked way too hard. You know, I mentioned the kids. I worked too hard and I accomplished too much. Let me go back out there now and, and keep doing. And I'm, I always like to challenge myself. And I always like to go out and do new little ventures to see how I could conquer that or, you know, to what point that I could, you know, do this and do that and make it successful. And so far in my business career, I've had a What couple, are you doing right now that, that you're venturing off in? Anything you're excited about? Yeah, man. I got an app that's out, you know, a, a box fit, a Sweet Science Plus. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, it's Come really. On. So how do I get that? Is it, can I get it on yes. here? Yes. Uh, you uh, got Apple? I do. Okay. Yeah. I'm you get it right now. Let me see. All right, so I'm going to the App Store, and I plug in what? The Sweet Science Plus. The Sweet Science, S-W-E-E-T? Yep. All one word? Yep. All right, I'm going to screenshot it in case I don't Should come up. service in here. Boom, I got it. Yeah, absolutely, that's Bam. it. So, yeah, we just, I just launched on the 29th, my 12-year anniversary of the world title, and um you know, we're still in the final um, progress of that, too. It's out there. We're going to have it on for the Android here, hopefully, in the next couple months. Um, you know, I was going down. Billy Lau is the kid that's in there. So that was a big thing with the app. You got a world champion. I, you don't, I remember you, seeing you, you don't. You don't have Billy Blanks doing it or this other guy. You got, like, a former three-time middleweight champion, Billy, who was IBF light, or welterweight um, title contender. And we're showing you how to fight and how to do the punches the right way. And then not only that, we got a um, workouts in between, uh, functional strength training for you know toning and, and getting strong, and then we have diet plans, meal plans, meal prep. Love it. And uh, not too many apps are out like that right now. So that's sweet. You know, so doing that, obviously the Congrats. gym. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. The gym in Columbiana, I'm in process with through the Kelly Pavlik Charitable Organization of opening a, a boxing gym. We still have that sports combine going on. That's just taking some time. Do you know where you want to do that, Jim? Uh, we're looking at Boardman area, right close to the Youngstown borderline. I want to open it up for everybody. You know, I want, um, you know, Poland, Struthers, Canfield, Boardman, Youngstown. Everybody I want everybody there, 18 it. and under, would be free, um, no charge to them. Uh, get every, you know, get them in there again. And, and honestly, there would be things like uh, talks, and, and they'll have to people come in and do. Um, inspirational speeches and they're, they're going to have strict things to follow of course grades are going to have to be up um you know so it is let me, for know, let me know what i can do to help absolutely i mean even if you wanted to come in and talk one time to them guys yeah. um i mean look how you look, look, look what you you got going man you know what i mean it's uh that's all the work that you put in so that's where we're at now i mean so it is it's busy and i'm all over and there's a handful of other things that i really don't want to talk on because i don't want to jinx anything or anything yep. fall through yep. But um, so it's busy, man. And sometimes, like my wife I will can be tell like, you're in a good spot right now. Yeah, I can feel your it is. spirit. Yeah, you know I, what I mean, good. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> hope is a good vibe. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you know, and it's, and it's stressful. Wilding out and shit when you get home now, and you know what I mean. Maybe oh, yeah. like a liar. <laughs> what, what what common hey, myths? Hey Simon, look at TMZ, bud. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't have said nothing. Yep, you know, all your fault. <laughs> what's the what's the common any common myths you could think of about you know boxing? You know, from people that don't really know the game. You know, is there any common myth about? You know, box. I could think about okay, insurance. I could give you a bunch of myths that people think you think insurance that it ain't nothing like what I got going on. Yeah. It's completely opposite of what people would think. Um, people think you know you make it to the NFL. You know, people that don't know the game, they think you're just automatically rich. I think that's yeah. a myth. You know yeah, what I mean? From people that I. So, is there any you know things that you could think and of? The that's for, maybe fortunate a myth? part for me, I could with other professional sports. You know, sometimes I get in arguments with people. You weren't a professional football player. Well, I kind of know how that goes around, though. And, you know, it's a professional sport. And I've been friends with a lot of guys that have been in the NFL. But, you know, the thing with um, boxing is it's kind of hard to answer that question. Um, but it ain't. It's a good question. I would say the one thing when somebody says, uh, yeah, my hands are registered or lethal weapons. That's news to me because I never had to, you know, go register my hands. Um, I don't know what they mean by that. Granted, if you're a world champion or, or a big-time boxer and you go punch somebody in a street fight, self-defense or not, chances are the judge is going to know what you do for a living. And But as far as that, that's one of them. I hope that could be something. And then uh, I want to tell some of the people, when you come up to me and tell me that your uncle was a Golden Glove boxer, um, that's kind of like uh, Golden Gloves is just one part of amateur boxing. It's yeah. not even the biggest tournament. Yeah. So. Like that tells me right there that they weren't really uh, educated. Yeah, educated or, or their uncle wasn't, because obviously the uncle told him that he was. So that tells me that he wasn't pretty much an amateur boxer because he would know that the Golden Gloves is one of the smaller tournaments. I really, you know, I, I thought about that when you were asking me just now. Like I was really going through it. I'm trying to think the myths. Um, taking a fall. I, don't, I can't speak for back in the day, the 40s and 50s when the mob ran it. But I know that it's really hard to fix a, a professional boxing match. Um, things happen. You get hit with body shots. A, a guy goes down. It's not sometimes he may stay down because he's afraid to get back up. So it's nothing to do with him, you know, um, falling down and, and taking a paycheck, you know. So there, that's that, that right there is kind of a myth. You know, I mean, that should just debunk that right there. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be somebody from Youngstown. Yeah. Take, you know what I mean? So <laughs> exactly. if it didn't happen for, to you, yeah. brother, you know what I mean? You know, Youngstown, we're forgiving. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, hey, I ain't going to lie. It wasn't me in a Hopkins fight. It wasn't me at all. It, not even 80% Kelly Pavlik. But I, I tell you what, man, for an extra couple hundred grand, if somebody had said, hey, throw this in there, Kel, go down for 12, I would have done it, man, because I was getting my ass whooped. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'd have been thinking, yeah. Yeah. Okay. A hundred grand, mate. Good way to go. Sounds this good one. right now. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, those are a couple of the myths. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more, you know, if I sat back and really thought about it. Um, but those are kind of the big ones right now. But you hit it on the head, too. You know, you, people think just because somebody's a professional athlete that they got uh, money. It's work to make money. And, and if you, in boxing, if you are if you're not a world champion and you make money unfortunately you're just in a very exciting fighter that brings people in the stands and sells pay-per-view and you get paid a lot of money because you get beat a lot you know and beat up on so yeah. that's kind of and you might stand a chance of upsetting somebody so i don't know how much you really want that yeah the money's great but you know 20 years down the line if you can't count it it's not fun no doubt you know? would you would you want uh your son to do it no not at all. You know, we talked a little bit right before the show, you know, before we went on. 
um, I want him to learn it. I want him to learn self-defense, and I just don't want him to go learn boxing because, again, I think with any young kid, if they just went and learned how to punch and they went to school or on a playground, and have saying, that self, that 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 false self yeah, of that boxing self confidence, because you know, if I take you down or you know you got a wrestler, then what? Exactly, and no. you know, so and it goes even for wrestling too, though. You know, if they when they get into the MMA, yeah. So my guy, my, I want my son to learn what it feels like to get punched and learn how to react to getting punched and not be shell shocked. The same with a wrestler. A wrestler might be good, but if you get on the ground. Punches still are thrown on the ground, and if you start hitting him in the snout, and you know, in the eye, the stomach, how is he going to react? Is he really going to be able to use all the techniques that he learned? Is he going to cover up and, and take the punches? Um, I always say it's pretty equal to taking a guy, that baseball player, and letting him go, and he got the perfect swing because he does it ninety times a day, all day, every day, you know, four times a day, and his swing is pitch perfect, and and then. You next thing you know, you take him out there, and you get a guy that throws a ninety-five mile an hour fastball followed by. A, 12-6 curveball drop, he's not going to know how to react to that. As soon as that ball comes zinging past him, his swing is going to be ugly. He's going to do everything possible to hit the ball. And it goes the same way in, in, in combat uh, sports. Yeah, you could go look pretty hitting the bag and, and shadow boxing or doing what you're doing. But when you start getting hit, you know, Mike Tyson said, everybody got a game plan until they get hit. Punch in the face. Yep. So yeah, I want him box. I don't want to fight, no. I want him to, to learn that for self-defense reasons. Yep. I don't want him, but I do not want him to make a career of it. I would not want to see it. What, uh, is there any, give me one thing you ain't good at. <laughs> what are you not good at? Golf. Um, uh, algebra. <laughs> You're starting to try to help yeah. the kids with the homework and yeah. be like, ah. Uh, I I'm have to call in reinforcements. I was a parent. I've at the, been doing that. Yeah, I was a parent at the right time, man, because thank God for Google. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm telling Lil Kelly, Lil Kelly and Sydney. Hey, listen, um, don't, pray that your teacher don't ask you to explain how you got this answer, but this is what the answer is. <laughs> you know, I don't feel yeah. so bad. That's what I, I, I let the wife do that part. History, I'm, I'm, I like history. I always did good with that. Uh, you know, those subjects, English, um, uh, science, I, I like that. You know, I know that as the kids get older, it turns into biology, I think, or whatever else. But at the age like my son right now, it's fun helping him with that because I enjoyed it, you know. And I've always did good in those subjects. But yep. the other ones, yeah, man, uh, was not my cup of Your tea. Your wife from Youngstown? Yes. Yeah, I went to Wilson. So she graduated a year after me. And uh, so she did have a South Side then. Yeah. She, she went yeah. to Wilson, which yeah. is where you grew up, but you went to Lowville. Yeah, I went to Lowville on open enrollment. So yeah. that's how, you know, the people. Our boy think, over there, he was a. I went to school with him too. Was the MVC no. or you know what I'm Taft. Oh, Taft. Taft right on the south side. Yep. Yeah. You know, people people think, you know, well, you know, he went to Lowville. That ain't the whole story. You know yeah. what I mean? Because, you, you know, I get it. Just like me, I went to Ursuline. Okay. That, that ain't the, That's still that ain't the whole deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That ain't the whole story. So I get it. Yeah. I used to be funny. I used to tell people about the Lowville thing. Like, my brothers, they graduated from Wilson. My brother Michael graduated in 94, and that's right when South was closing, you know, his senior year. But, like, my parents said, they weren't going to take him out of Wilson his senior year. Right there. My yeah. brother Ricky was already a freshman. They're not going to take him out in you know high school. Uh, me, I was going into seventh grade. And I remember him saying, you're going to Lowville. I'm going, what did I do? Why are you shipping me off to a different country? I mean, I didn't That's know. That's a whole new world. Yeah. New and world. even when I was going to Lowville, I was still 15, you know, 15, 16. I still didn't hardly ever leave the South Side. You know, I guess it's like one of them things when you're from that area. I, you know, everything I did, if I trained, I went to the gym, I went to school, came home, trained, went and played 
basketball with some of the neighborhood kids, um, football, things like that. I never really left until I got about 17, 18, and got my license. Then it was all hell broke loose. Yeah. You know? Everybody's like, we should have kept them on the south side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it's it, it, when you see, you know, I know for me working with the youth program and stuff back home, you know, I know when I see the token, you know, the token white kid there, you know, with all the black kids, he got to yeah. be tough. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had to be, you know what I mean? Because I know for me, you know, growing up around, you know, on the east side and stuff, yeah. you know, I, I I was around most people that didn't look like me. You yeah. know what I mean? And I know that started to give me a little chip, you know, on my shoulder and what comes you know, what comes with that. So Yeah, and there was no break, you know. Right, I why mean, you're a little goofy. I, I boxed, you know, and, and there's not many at that point young white kids in there. And then I was a sight to see too. You know, you gotta understand I was tall, tall, tall skinny. as hell, skinny, pale. Yeah. I mean, um, I was an easy target, you know. Guys, they, they used to find out they were fighting me, and they all start giggling and pointing their fingers at me, laughing. And I'll never forget the one um, older black. I got to give you extra drive right there. It did, and the one older black guy from Cleveland, Johnny Duncan, he was a great man, and he he would say, "No, you don't know what you boys are laughing at." And he goes, that, "That white boy gonna kick your ass," and and I would go in there and do it, and and uh, come out and win. But yeah, it was tough, man. Now growing up in my neighborhood. It wasn't that bad. It was, you know, a lot of guys like me, and, and uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things, but it was a tough, rugged area. You know, you had kids that we pick up, you know, we play hockey, roll hockey in the driveway. You know, you got hit, checked, and it was with a pop can, you know, something like that. So probably either a Fago or a top pop can. The, uh, you know, tell me something that's true that you think is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. <laughs> I could see you being opinionated. What do you, anything uh, you could think of that's that's true that most people like, eh, you know, eight out of ten people wouldn't agree with you on. Is this you a question that you're trying to give me some shit for? <laughs> we could delete it. You know what no, I mean? This this ain't going live. No, um, that's a good one. You know what? I don't know. I really don't. Okay. I don't know how many things are really true anymore. You go on the internet and you find out all these different things are being debunked. Well, how about this? You mentioned. Uh, you know, spiritually, you know, uh, you know, I'm not sure where everybody was at. Maybe 10 minutes ago, you talk about, you know, s something spiritual. L let's say, you know, if heaven exists, you know, what would you like to hear God say uh, about you or to you when you enter the gates? Come in. <laughs> Just want to know you made it. <laughs> Come in. We made it. Come All on right. in. All right. Yeah. Um you know, <laughs> Kel, you took the long way to get here, bro. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that 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 well, that is true, though. I, I really would want to hear that, but I don't know. I guess the the good, you know, because um, everybody knows the bads that everybody does, right? That's life here on Earth, well, especially when you're in the limelight. Exactly, that's here in this world that we live in. Um, but I want, you know, I guess if I make it that far, you know, to them. I want to hear the good things too though you know because obviously we know if you're a, a spiritual or religious guy you know the things you do because usually at night you say the prayers and you ask for the forgiveness so i, I really wouldn't want to hear about it but i would like for him them to, to realize the good that i did you know we want that here too and but me i'm a type of person i do a lot of um charitable work but i keep it under the radar too because I feel like um, if you go out there and you publicize, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons. A lot of times you got to put because yeah, if, you, if you really want to do like raise a lot of money for a certain cause, you have to get it out there. No doubt. And that's part of my charitable organization now, 
and I used to do uh, golf outings for all different types of charities too. But there was a lot that people didn't see under the radar that I did, and um, because I didn't want that attention brought to it, it was more so out of my heart. Yep. And um, I, th those are the kind of things. Or when I see somebody struggling, you know, I want him to know how I feel that I don't like it, you know, that I feel bad because I do. I and think that's feel empathy. Some 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 of the times on this plane that we're at now. That gets the best of people too, because sometimes that heart has landed me in situations that it shouldn't have. You know what I mean? And, and then you use that, that repent kind of like thing, like why am I going through this when I'm was doing it out of a good good reason or thinking it was a good reason? Um, but that is a, a good question, and I, and I guess that would be what my my thing would be. Like, did you did you notice what? I was going through, you know, when we pray, do we have to talk out loud to you so you understand, or do you can you read our mind and our what goes on in here? Yeah. I guess so, you know what I mean. Like yeah. deep, deep thinking, really. You know, you you talk about being a parent. You know, you got a couple kids. You know, you, you talk about coming up in boxing. You know, outwork people. You know, the work that goes into it, and then also you would tell that person, you know, you got to have the right people around you. Yeah. You know, I I I know a big part of you know one of my struggles. And that eventually I would be able to succeed at was to, you know, th this is a big thing to me. Loyalty. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's on my ribs. You know, it's it's something that I think people that have been around me for a long time <clears throat> most know that that would be a word you would probably use to 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 describe me. I would I would think. And, um, you know, I, I had to learn how to pull myself away from certain circles where in order for me to go to another level in life and help a lot more people, I had to remove myself, you know, from some of the things that I was doing, some of the people that I was doing it with. Yeah. And then later on in life, as we got older and matured, I would be able to bring some of those folks back into my life and, and come back around. But I had to go. I had yeah. to, like, leave. And, um, you know, what advice, you know, would you give to somebody, you know, that's that's young that way that maybe grows up in an environment, you know, where it's rough and, and so you're hanging around a certain group of people and, and it's just a product of the environment and then you you start to make it, you know, yeah. you take off. How do you balance that? All right, like I'm loyal, you know, I didn't forget who I am and where I come from, but I can't keep doing this or it's going and it, 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 we ain't going to I can't help nobody yeah, because it's going to jack me up. It's another really good question, and there's so many ways. So, what that, advice do you give to you know to yeah, somebody? And there's so many ways to answer that too. Um, first of all, I guess the question is: to what extent is your loyalty? Where do you draw the line on loyalty? I, I think sometimes that because you don't do something, don't mean it's not loyalty. Um, why should you endure or go through or be put away or ruin your life because one of another person? That you said you're going to be loyal for but they're going out being a um derelict best word to use i guess you know what i mean like yeah. not caring they don't have your interest at, at heart they don't oh good catch you know they're, they're not doing it so where do you draw the line because you can still be loyal you can be a loyal person and like you said but you know when you got to better yourself you have to better yourself so that way you can reach out and better a lot more people than just this one group right yep. i mean i think that's what a lot of people want to do i know that's yeah. how you are so if you just stay committed to this small group and this is what i would tell a young kid they're gonna chances are these people you're being loyal to at the beginning 
Because it, they say surround yourself with good people, but it's impossible to go your entire lifetime without being around somebody tugging at your shirt to bring you down. And no matter how successful you are, I can guarantee right now Bill Gates still got one guy floating around there that's, <laughs> you know, he's just like that Bill, guy. you know I'm your dog. dog yeah, you, you know, know I mean? <laughs> hey, homie, you know. And he kept, and I'm sure Bill Gates kept him around, right? Because... <laughs> We all do. I mean, that's just how it is. But I guess it's like, where do you end it, though? Do you keep all of them around? You know, I've had my fair share, and I don't care if they're out there or not. I've they had a deep conversation. You know, I've had a lot of public and, and private conversations with Maurice about this. Yeah. To where he's like, you know, I take ownership over what I've done. But exactly. a lot of it is like, out of the loyalty stuff, I got myself mixed up. Absolutely. And you don't know, and then you're afraid, you know, because athletes and even fighters, we got hearts too. Like, we don't want to hurt this guy's feeling. We don't want to act like we're too good. But, you know, you eventually, and I still, that's one of my biggest things that I'm still working on, you know, right now is that, like, learning to say no. You know, it's probably um, hard for you too, man, because you're right there. You you are, and it's you're different it, if you live in California. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But you're New, right, or in, New you're York. right in Youngstown. Exactly. Everybody, you know what I mean? Yep. And if you do know, if you say this, if you say that, oh, he thinks he's too good. You're too good. You're in a hole. So yeah, yeah. when you're, especially when you're in a rebuilding process, and um, so I would say, like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're going to have that. Like, you could be a loyal person. It don't mean that you have to throw your life away or go, go through hell because you're loyal people should respect the fact that if you don't want to be involved with this and they're trying to drag you that way and you don't like they're it they're not supporting they're that not supporting loyal to you. you yeah so they don't deserve your loyalty you know what i mean and uh that's the thing you know uh, going back on that because you are you're going to have those guys around and you know what sometimes those people that could that are there that, that shouldn't be so they're fun they're fun to be around they may make you laugh more though more so than a guy who's actually going to get your business rec uh, account up higher right but you know they're just fun they're more you're comfortable around them but you have to watch them you know you have to just keep the right people around you for the most part um loyalty i mean it's, it's like where do you draw the line on loyalty i guess um you know if somebody my word would be if somebody is you feel like somebody's not out for your best interest screw the loyalty you have to get rid of them it's not that you're not loyal no more it's just that you're being smart and you're trying to be successful and you want to be able to help out to others you want to live your life the way you can because one choice could, could really change an entire lifetime Absolutely. one split second that you can never get back can be a big difference and that could come down because of the loyalty that no you doubt. you know you know i listen to a guy's for leadership stuff his name's john maxwell they you know john maxwell says you can't get to the top on accident that's got to be intentional. Mm -hmm. It's a climb. It's a grind. Yep. But you could fall off the top of a mountain on accident. You could climb up a mountain. That has to be intentional. Yeah. But to fall off, that that can be a, on accident. You ain't watching where you're stepping. You could fall down. You know what I mean? Very and, true. And, and that's how I would describe that. Picking up, you know, we talked about in order to win, you got to have failures. You know, nobody goes undefeated in life. Can Can you talk about? You know, what do you think was maybe a moment where you've had maybe your biggest failure, and and what did you learn from that? Man, there was a there was a handful of them actually. Man, um, we could go into far as businesses, um, but even just personal. I mean, I guess you know, going out and, and living the way I was there for a while. I mean, we got to be realistic on it. Um, innocent stuff but it, what, what was i really doing what i what i could Some do people don't might not know you know what i mean like I, i'm so focused on positive yeah and 
like I don't just vibe. I, I don't I don't judge yeah. what's in the papers. You know what I mean or none of that. I'm 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 probably halfway removed from like I don't even know what you were yeah. doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my my, my would have been you know the, the going out with the friends and and the the gallivanting, <laughs> you know the the having fun, drinking and and things like that. And there was a lot of things that were getting lost. You know, I was that I was losing touch with. You know, and especially after I retired, I guess the ego. You know. Hey, I'm 30 years old. I'm retired. I'm gonna go do this. You know, screw them. You know, and I still to the point. You know, the animosity when you hear people talk and say stuff, it's that you you get that animosity. Still, like, who the hell are you to really, you know, if anybody has the right to be here, if I want to do a headstand with a nozzle up my butt, I have the right to do it. You know, more so than you. But have then you done you, that? No, absolutely uh, not. I'm not even. If I was that, if I was that flexible, I probably would have. You know? <laughs> if I had it in me. So Man, that, damn, that, Kelly. You need a lot of core strength on that. Um but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, so that that was like one of the things, but you also have to get out of that mindset. You know, going back to like what I said, you know, the last three years has been like a grind, you know, like and I'm having fun because it's it's on my time, my clock, um, doing what I want to do, but it's also keeping me busy. You know what I mean? And it's like a new venture, it's a new challenge, challenge. for me. Yeah. And um, but you have those in your life, you know, and, and obviously the legal issues come come from it, you know. And then when you're in the spotlight, like the average the average person in Youngstown does a lot worse than what I do. And oh yeah, I took the yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day. You know, I look back at what I was doing as a kid. And I, I mean, here, around here where I live now, I would have been the worst kid in, in, a, in, a, in a one hour radius. Yeah. In Youngstown, not as bad. Oh, you just. It's all right. Like, you know, yeah. oh, you sold some dope. You know what I mean? All right, you, you got street you cred, too. You a gun. You, doing, you know, it's like, oh, he ain't even that bad. You know, mm -hmm. it's yeah. like, you know, the, the, the average person in that yeah. environment over there, well, what you're different. doing is, is, is nothing. It's yeah, peanuts, and it's but just you're not in the limelight. It's just not a Youngstown thing. I mean, that, that right there is a street cred thing. You know, you're one of the, the, the guys, you know. Um, yeah, mine, it ain't. And I'm not, this has nothing to do with like excuses or like poor me, pity party for Kelly. It's not. And it's, but through this, I, and I still feel that way to a certain point. But at the same time, you got to step aside and say, but are you living your best, Kel? Okay. Yeah, like screw what they're saying. Are you doing what, what you, you should be doing? And um, taking ownership yeah and that's yourself yes not and because of what somebody else got to say but just looking yourself exactly and saying am i doing yep. what i need to be doing yeah like can i be at a better place can i be doing better best yeah, version of yourself absolutely i could be and that's where it, that's why it has, has gone this route now the last um you know a couple of years and i'm and i'm enjoying it i mean it's stressful sometimes and, and it gets you know spread gets spread a little thin but um again i'm still able to commit time to my family and some of these things you're i'm learning the patience because they take time to you know come about and uh so that's where i'm at i mean yeah some of them things like that you know you go back even into the career just there's so many when you when you get involved in a career like that um there's so many things and it's just really hard to pinpoint certain things to pick out but um from just recently what i could that stands out to me that would be the last three years wrapping up you know what who would you say were the three most influential people in your life and what did you pull from them man um there was a lot of influential people in my life and especially at certain periods you know it's weird where people come into your life it's like they come in where they're needed um 
But I would say probably right now, I'm going to have to list more than three, but they're all tied. Go ahead. Rip it. My parents. What my dad and my, my mom have uh, done for me, you know, and God bless my mom. Um, what did you learn from each one of them? How, how to stay, stay the course, stay the line. You know what I mean? They, taught, they instilled, like, I think that's where the heart comes from. You know what I mean? Um, wanting to help people and stuff like that. My dad was always on me about and still to this day, I'm 37. My dad's still like I'm 12. You know what I mean? If I make a certain decision, he, you know, I, I swear I learned like that respect, listen to him, um, take in what he's saying, quit being stubborn and hardheaded. Um, that my dad, you know, my parents, what my career, they supported me. Sometimes that's all you need. If you got that backing that you need and uh, they never overstepped anything they never crossed the line my dad didn't come in as my trainer or manager he, he stayed back but he made sure that everybody had you know my interest and best best of mine and um i would have to say that my grandmother was another one and i still to this day repeat the sayings you know um she was amazing um my grandma stella she just say things and tell you those little one mom or dad's dad's mom, dad's mom yeah all right where does she die italian lady she lived on it grew up on the south side down on taft avenue and uh she uh yeah she just had those one sayings that you know like it, it's always say like the older people get the older you get the smarter your parents or grandparents get like i was 18 even though i knew my dad was right and i was getting ready to go out i'd be like man you're stupid you're the dumbest person in the world and then like i get to 37 i'm going how the hell did he become a genius that quick he didn't even he didn't even go to school you know what i mean like he, they do become smarter because you right. you mature. Yeah. Um, my grandma was a big part of it, um, a big inf influence. My wife, I've been What'd with her. What did you learn from your grandma? Um, those one-liners, you know, it's I can't really explain. Like when you think things are bad, you know, um, everybody's got it worse than you. Yeah. Uh, you know, just you know, if you, <laughs> simple things in life, don't mess with it. If you if you don't know what what you're doing, don't mess with it. Um, but she'd always talk to me. It's hard. It's really to this day hard to pick up. I just remember sitting at her table because um, she lived close and we would walk down. Even at 15, 16, I would just walk a three-minute walk to her house. She'd come over. She always wanted the best for me. My kids, you know, things I do with my kids to this day, my grandma along with my parents was there for me. Um, my brothers played a big part in, in you know, my, my success and, you know, backing my wife. You know, I was with her. She's got, she was I started dating her maybe four fights into my career, so she was there Oil. from the very She's beginning. Been there the whole run, yeah, yeah the whole to, thing, yeah. Till now, I've been retired seven years. Um, it's just one of those things, you know. There's so many people, but yeah, those three stand out. You know, my parents, my grandmother, my brothers would be tied with her. Uh, I had a buddy that actually lived right across the street. He's he's a brother to me, Louis Alessio. He's the one that actually got me into boxing because his parents were a lot older at the time, and his dad fought back in the '40s, and just going down in his basement, grabbing them gloves out, taking the old cooking timer, putting it on three, putting Vaseline on us, and I would get my, my ass whooped when I was the youngest, and I would have to go home and say I got it from playing football. You know, all those people played a big role and were a big influence, and I'm still to this day, you know, Louis's been in the service now for 22 years, and um, I still talk. We're like family. He's hope, hopefully moving back to Ohio when he retires next year. Th those people like that, those are all the ones that really played – a big role nothing never really mattered people talked and people came up to me and said things and i would listen and i would kind of like use it but 
what those people that I mentioned said, everything that they thought or said is what really mattered yeah. too. So it was kind of like when you, you know so, how much they cared about you. Exactly. So when you know they got your back, yeah. you know, and they're there to help you, that's an influence because you, you take what you take their word to heart, you listen to them. And because you know, chances are of anybody, those are the ones that are staring you in the right direction. And, you know, my dad to this day, you know, I always listen to him if I have, or my wife, I, know I always bring stuff to her. So th those would be the people that really had a big influence on, on my career. And I believe about the same. Love it. Love it. Thanks. Um, where could people connect with you if they're trying to follow you or, you know, your journey? And, you know, I think we got the app, you know, down where would somebody be able to follow, you know, follow you or, or, you know, connect with you online or something? Yeah. You go to my Instagrams, Pavlik.Kelly. Um, Facebook is, you know, Kelly Pavlik, um, handful of accounts, but they can find which one, uh, the punchline, what Kelly Pavlik and James Dominguez, I say the best way on that is, you know, just go to punchline.live and it takes you to all of our old shows, upcoming shows, um, right. Or interviews, uh, things like that right now. And then the Kelly Pavlik charitable organization, which is being formed right now, we're going to be doing fundraisers. We'll keep everybody posted on that when, you know, anytime that there's an event, we'll let everybody know about it. So love it. Yep. Love it. I, uh, what do you think about the new studio this is laid out, man? Last time we were over there at a picnic table. Yeah, this is nice. And you know, and I still got a picnic table for mine. I do it out of my gym. I just got a little green screen behind me, but you got it going on here, man. This you, I can stay here. That's why I was saying, I go, why only an hour, man? I'm sitting here with all these beautiful colors and this is nice. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. You know, to, to have somebody, you know, I know you've been on Joe Rogan and you know what I yeah. mean? I saw you on Rogan. And this is a lot nicer I, than Rogan. I got you. You know, I got you. I got you yeah. to roll. You know, to roll with me. So thanks for thanks for coming down to, yeah, to rock with me today, brother. Well, I appreciate I, I appreciate. It. It. I know you're pulled in a lot of directions. So thanks for joining us on Definitely, another man. episode of Grindcast. Get ready, it's a new day. Time, bro. Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying, trying, told, trying, told him I'm a beast, bud.